Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Amen. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 are among my favorite verses from the Proverbs. And in a moment we're going to look at a passage out of Proverbs 4. The fourth chapter of Proverbs is um, perhaps my favorite chapter in, in the book of Proverbs. I uh, will mention this as well as, as we approach a new year. There are 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs. And um, I would encourage you to, you know, whatever day of the week, uh, I'm sorry, whatever day of the month that it is, to read that proverb. It, it'll just take you a few minutes. You can do it in the morning before you go to uh, get your day started or at night before you go to bed. Um, but if you'll develop that pattern, and let's say, you know, you, you do well January 1st, 2nd, 3rd, 4th, uh, 5th, forget it on the 6th, remember on the 8th. Well, go ahead and just read chapter 8 on the 8th. If you want to go back and get caught up, that's fine. But develop that pattern of whatever day of the uh, month it is to read that uh, proverb, amen, that chapter. And, of course, if you do that throughout the year, you would have read the entire book of Proverbs 12 times, amen. And the book of Proverbs is, of course, the Word of God. It's the inspired Word of God, but it's practical wisdom from God concerning every area of your life. There's everything in Proverbs from raising children to managing money to being a good boss, a good employee, um, just the, the absolute pure wisdom of God, and it's, it's beautifully written. And um, so get you a good translation. You, you can do it on your phone. If you've got a smartphone, and most people do these days, you know, there are all kinds of Bible apps. You don't have to pay for them where you can look at in different translations and, and, and things and, and really make, I think, 24 a year where we um, spend more time in God's Word. Amen? That sound like a good plan? All right. So Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct your paths. God directing your paths is a promise. It's something that God desires to do for you and help you in your life by directing your paths. But we see that there are some prerequisites, some requirements that would actually enable him to do that. So trusting in him with all your heart, leaning out on your understanding, acknowledging him in all your ways is basically what enables God to direct your paths. Now, just by way of a, of a review, we've come to the following conclusions. The first one is that we need God to direct our paths. Amen. We, we need this more than I think any of us fully understand um, how, how desperately we need Him to direct our paths. We also see, number two, is that God cannot direct our paths if we never learn to trust Him. And so learning to trust God is one of the most important uh, life lessons that you will ever learn. Learning to trust and learning to love um, are the two key things that I believe our brief existence on this planet are, are about as far as um, learning to love God and then receiving His love into our hearts and then learning how to love others the way He has loved us and then learning to trust God. And these, these two things, if you think about um, like a healthy marriage, um, love and trust, amen, love and trust... It's hard to have a healthy marriage without the love and without the trust. Um, I've often heard people say, you know, that, that you, you can't love somebody that you don't trust. Well, I mean, obviously that's going to hinder your fellowship with that person if you don't trust them. But, 
But you can love somebody and, and not trust them any more than you can throw them, right? But when you have that combination of love and trust, uh, it's a beautiful thing. And remember what began in the Garden of Eden ends at a marriage supper where you and I become united together with Jesus for eternity. And so learning to love and trust is something that will carry us well beyond what Father has uh, after this life. But God cannot direct our paths if we never learn to trust Him. And we've said this so many different ways over the years. All the ways of God, all the pathways of God uh, require that you trust Him. Number three, God cannot direct our paths if we do things according to our own understanding. And this is one of the great hindrances to God being able to not only direct our, our, our paths, but to become of the great hindrances in our experiencing all that has been given to us and all that we became the day we became new creations in Christ Jesus. And if you weren't here last week, we, we preached a sermon, What You Got for Christmas. And, and we just went through some of the major, it was by far from an exhaustive list, but we went through all the different things that the Bible says that have been given to you as a child of God. And several weeks ago, we asked some questions about, well, like one of the questions was, can you have faith but not live by faith? And the answer is yes. God's given to every person the measure of faith. But most people, instead of living by faith, they live by sight. They live by the way things look, seem, and feel rather than by the faith that, that they've been given. And the Bible says that we've been blessed with the blessing of Abraham and the curse has been lifted off of us. But there are a lot of people that have been blessed by God, have been, past tense, have been blessed by God, that still live under the, and struggle under the curse of, of, of sin. And again, there's a long list. I'm not trying to go through all of those. But when um, we live our lives according to our own understanding, it prevents God from being able to direct our paths. Um, and it also hinders our ability to walk in all that we are and all that we've been given as sons and daughters of God. Number four, God cannot direct our paths if we do not acknowledge Him in all of our ways. Acknowledge Him in all of our ways. This is the uh, Old Testament version of Matthew six thirty three. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and everything else in your life will be added to you. And the all things added to you, the context of that is uh, everything from your daily uh, physical provisions um, to God's hand of protection. In other words, the things that, the fundamentals of life that people uh, pursue and seek after and try to attain by their own efforts and by their own labors and ultimately th- with money, um, the Bible says that if you'll, instead of seeking the things, seek God first and His kingdom, His ways of being and doing right, and then He will add all of these things to you. But God cannot direct our paths if we do not acknowledge Him in all of our ways. Acknowledging God in all of our ways involves putting Him first and, and what He would have uh, for us first. Number five, God cannot direct our paths if we insist on doing it our way instead of his. Now, another verse that we've looked at along the way in this study is Jeremiah chapter 10 and verse 23. Jeremiah 10 and 23. I'll put it up on the screen. O Lord, I know the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man who walks to direct his own steps. So he's talking about 
And to me, this is such a, a critical verse for, for all of humanity to understand, but especially the children of God, amen, that the, the way that God would have us, the path that he would have us to follow uh, is not in us, meaning what? We have to get that from him. We are dependent upon God um, for the, the way of God for our lives, the ways of God for our lives, the paths of God for our lives. And notice it's not in man who walks to direct his own steps. This means we must receive the way from another source. And I want to talk to you, uh, maybe we can get some other things, but I definitely want to talk to you about this for a few minutes as it relates to the upcoming new year. Amen. Based upon this verse, we are safe in saying that we must receive the way from another source since it's not in us. It, it's, it's, it's like a computer without the, the software to run it. Amen. We, we are fearfully and wonderfully made by God, but how it is, uh, the operating system, if you will, for us to live the life of success and, and victory and confidence that God has created and intends and designed for us to live, the way to do that, we have to get that from God. We have to get that from God. Now, you were designed to live from the inside out. Most people on planet Earth are trying to live from the outside in. And when it comes to receiving our way of life, our our way of living, amen. When it comes to receiving this, because again, it's not in us, we've, we've got to get it from somewhere, from somebody, okay. Um, we are either going to receive that from the outside of us into us. Follow me now. This may be a little bit confusing at first. Just stay with me. We're either going to receive that from the outside of us into us or we're going to receive that from the inside of us out of us. When, when Peter says to Jesus, you are the Christ, the son of the living God, Jesus said, flesh and blood did not reveal that to you, Peter, but my father in heaven. Notice now, Peter came to the conclusion of something that was true not just a fact, but the truth. He came to the conclusion about the truth of Jesus, but it wasn't something that came from the outside of him into him, but it was something that came from the inside of him out of him. Amen. And of course, we know that that understanding, that's a key word here, right? We've got our own understanding. Remember, Jesus says, who do people say that I am? Right? And then he says, who do you say that I am? And notice now, what was Jesus hearing? Jesus was hearing understanding. He was hearing what the religious establishment understood about him. He was hearing what the common man understood about him. He was hearing what those close to him understood about him. But then comes understanding from another source. It comes from an inside source. Amen. It comes from within Peter, out of Peter, when he announces, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus says, flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you. In other words, how did Peter come to the understanding of this truth if it didn't come from the outside of him into him? He came to the understanding of that truth because it came from the inside of him, out of him, as revealed to him by the Father in heaven. Amen. And I'm offering to you this morning that that is the birthright of every child of God. It is our birthright. It is what Father has always desired to have from with you and me and for you and me from before Adam was created in this earth. In other words, that's how we have a microcosm there, if you will, of how Father desires for you and me to function together in oneness with Him, where we're not 
Googling everything to try to find the answers. We're going to our Father to, to receive the answers and the understanding. We're not, we're not asking everybody else who's had a similar problem or, or, or a similar diagnosis or, or a similar uh, legal charge or whatever to try to find out what, how, how did this turn out with you? What did the judge say about this? How did the doctors do this? What medicine did it give you? I, I'm not, listen, I'm not trying to badmouth those things, but if that's what we're going to limit our understanding to notice now what are we doing when we ask these questions we're trying to gain understanding about a problem about a situation about uh you know some scenario unfolding in our lives that we're trying to navigate we're, we're trying to work our way through it with the best possible outcome and so we start consulting with all these other voices because we're, we're looking for the way forward from outside of us that can then be brought into us and we will distill all this information and we'll process it all and we'll, we'll eventually kind of come to our own answer and what we're going to do. Well, I know she did this, but I'm going to do this. I know that it worked out this way for him, but you know, uh, he had this and this and I didn't have that, so I'm going to do this. And, and this whole process of elimination and all these other things, that is, that is not God's highest and best. God's highest and best is for you to take it to Him and let Him show you the way. And I'm offering to you because of what we find in Proverbs, even before we're born again with the Spirit of God living inside of us, that God's wisdom has been crying out the whole time. God's answers for you have got... Every crossroads, every street corner, the marketplace, you know, where we do business, um, the, the crossroads of our lives where we choose right, left, forward, backwards... The Bible says in all of these different places that the wisdom of God is there crying out to you and me. The answers, amen, that we are so desperately looking for coming from God. So we must receive the way from another source. And the ultimate way that God designed us to function is to receive the answers, the understanding, if you will, that we need from an inside source, from an inside source. Uh, let me, I'll just comment on this briefly. Uh, I don't fully understand how it all works, but you, you hear people getting in trouble for insider trading. Sometimes you hear about politicians getting in trouble for in tra- insider trading. What, what does that mean, insider trading? It has to do with set, buying and selling stocks. And it's, it's when they're given information that's not made public, which enables them to make a decision that is uh, financially advantageous to them, uh, because they had information that everybody else was not privy to, that not everybody else had access to. Are you hearing me? Well, when it comes to trading stocks, that's a crime. That's, that's illegal. But for the child of God, it's, it's how we roll. We, we have access to inside information, literally inside information. A voice, the voice of God, the voice of the Holy Spirit, the voice of His Word inside of you and me, directing us, leading us, guiding us, showing us things. I'll show it to you in a minute. Showing you and me things uh, that, that haven't happened yet. That's, that's inside information, right? An example of this would be, let's say, a, you know, a stock price is kind of rise and fall based upon projected earnings. And if the, if a company, you know, say Amazon, if their earnings are, are greater than what they projected, then the stock price goes up. But if they're less than that, there's a chance those stock prices are going to go way down. How am I doing, Jake? Jake, Jake understands all this, right? Okay. So what if before Amazon re- publicly released their, their, their findings, their, their uh, records, 
if they whispered in a senator's ear, hey, listen, we missed it big time. You need to sell your Amazon stock before it tanks, right? See, that's, that's, he knows something that's going to happen before it happens. And he's able to use that information to, for his advantage. Are you with me? In other words, if you know stock's going to go down before it goes down, that's pretty good, right? You do realize that the Holy Spirit, I'm not necessarily encouraging you to get involved in the stock market, but the Holy Spirit knows where these stocks are going. I'm talking about practical things in your life that he'll show you and help you with and reveal to you. Now, let me, let me put this statement on the screen. Life is choice-driven, therefore it must be Spirit-led. Life is choice-driven, therefore it must be Spirit-led. I doubt we will have time to get to it this morning, but a few weeks back, we uh, jumped off into the middle of the difference between God being sovereign and God being omnipotent. And I want to, maybe in the days ahead, I've got some more things in my notes because we we really just kind of touched on that at the end of a sermon, and I certainly don't want to leave anybody hanging or confused by all of that, but it's, it's, it's traditionally accepted the sovereignty of God. You hear that over and over and over again. And people who often say that have no idea what the word sovereign actually means. Sovereign, a, a, a sovereign country can be overthrown by another sovereign country. God is not sovereign. God is omnipotent. To simply say he's sovereign is, is a demotion. Uh, he's sovereign over all, heaven and earth. Amen. But now, the, the sneakiness of the devil is that he wants us to become familiar with this terminology, God is sovereign, God is sovereign, God is sovereign. And let me tell you what God is sovereign means to a lot of people. To a lot of people, God is sovereign means God's going to do whatever God wants to do. And then it's going to turn out however it's going to turn out, whether you choose right or left, whether you choose forward or backward, whether you choose to... In other words... A lot of times people stand, as, as we said, they do their own thing, uh, and, and then when they crash into a, a wall, uh, they, they pretend like they've been you know, trusting God the whole time, and, and the reason they crashed is God's sovereign. And it just kind of becomes this blanket statement for anything that somebody wants to blame on God or the devil, or it becomes this blanket statement for anything that people don't understand that, that we... You know, it's no longer a mystery because the Word of God has, has spelled it out for us and revealed it to us. Amen. I'm not trying to get you, listen to me, this, this God is sovereign attitude, right? The days that are coming, and I'm not trying to be negative, I'm just trying to tell you what Jesus said was coming. The days that are coming, we got to know. We got to know what's going to happen before it happens. We've got to be led by the Spirit so we can make the right choices. Life is choice driven. Life is choice-driven. God can be disagreed with. God can tell you to go right and you can choose to go left. And here's the amazing thing about God. You went away, He told you not to go, and He's right there with you trying to help you get back to where He originally wanted you to be in the first place. He didn't watch it. Well, I told you to go right. No, He's right there like, no, 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 son, please. Come on, this is not the way. And you get all these different signs along the way that you're not headed the right way. And, and you can, I'm not, I'm not saying you're looking at me funny, but you can look at me funny this morning. But if you think about what I'm saying, we've all been there. We've all been there in these, in these things. So the things, let me, let me simplify what I'm trying to say here. The choices that you and I make matter. Choices have consequences. They have positive consequences. They have negative consequences. 
And remember, choices are responses. And Satan is trying to manipulate our responses. So life is choice-driven. You're here this morning because you made a series of choices. But if you keep following those choices back, back, some of you are here this morning because of choices you made months ago and met me in a class on a Tuesday morning. Are you, are you, that's what I'm saying. In other words, it's, it's, and I believe, amen, in Jesus' name, that those choices that led you there were, were, again, being led by God's Spirit. God's trying to direct your path. So he's trying to get you in the place that he desires for you to be, where you can hear what he wants you to hear, where you can learn what he wants you to learn. And in, and in the same way, Satan's been trying to influence your choices to keep you as far away from understanding, the, the understanding that God has for you and your life and family and future and so forth and so on. Amen. So life is choice driven, therefore it must be spirit led. Let's go back to the way of man's not found within him. But that doesn't mean you don't have the ability to choose, right? We're making all these choices without knowing the way. That's why if life is choice-driven, it is, it must be spirit-led. Now, let's talk about this for a minute. Let's, just a few verses. Romans 8, 14, 15, and 16. It says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, But you receive the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father, the Spirit Himself. Notice capital S, capital H. The Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit Himself, the eternal, uncreated uh, third member of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit Himself, bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. He goes on to say that we, uh, you know, we cry out Abba Father and that if we're, if we're uh, children of God, then heirs and if we're heirs of God and co-heirs with Jesus. Amen. Let's, let's just put the brakes on right here for a moment though. I said a moment ago that being led by the Spirit and this kind of inside information, it, it's, it's your birthright. And notice one of the key characteristics of someone who is a child of God, a son of God. Remember, they're sons of God, male gender, sons of God, female gender. And I'm not trying to confuse you on all this. And I know, again, in the day and age in which we live, there's a lot of craziness going on about all this. Um, male and female created he, them. Amen. So when we talk about mankind, mankind, amen. So... Even when it comes to someone who is a female, Galatians 3 and 26 says that those who have put on Christ, there's neither male nor free, female, there's neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither bond nor free. In other words, these, these uh, socioeconomic, even uh, identifying factors that come from DNA, when we put on Christ, when we were born again, um, we received an identity in Christ that supersedes all other ways that human beings identify one another. We became a new creation. A new creation. Amen. And it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when we see Jesus, we, we will be like Him. We, we, we tend to uh, pigeonhole people and marginalize people and stereotype people based upon things like um, their economic status, their social status, their gender, um, and, 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 and things of this nature. And, and again, he's saying that in Christ, we, we are now above all of that. And one of the great, great benefits 
of being a child of God, a son of God, is that we are now those who are being led by the Spirit of God. This is, this is perhaps one of the greatest distinguishing characteristics of someone who's a child of God versus someone who has not yet been born again and is therefore not a child of God. The world wants to say, well, we're all God's children, but that is, that is not correct. The Bible says that he came to his own, his own did not receive him, but as many as have received Jesus, God has given to that individual. Life is choice driven, must be spirit led. Those who have received him, it's a choice to receive or to reject. Those who have received him, the Bible says God has given to those individuals the power to become sons of God, children of God. Amen. And one of the benefits, one of the great benefits We said last week, we've received the gift of His Son, we've received the gift of His Holy Spirit. And one of the great benefits of having the Spirit of God now living inside you and me is that the Spirit of God knows what is the mind of God. The Spirit of God knows what has been given to you by God. The Spirit of God knows what is the will of God for your life. Listen to this now. The Spirit of God who lives in you not only knows the will of God for your life, the Spirit of God who lives in you knows what is the will of God for your family, for your friends, for people that you would, you would get before God and intercede for. That's why the Bible says that you can pray in the Spirit. The Spirit of God can, can lead you and give you words that can't be uttered in articulate speech. In other words, in an unknown tongue. And you can literally, Romans 8, pray the perfect prayer concerning the will of God for a situation in somebody else's life even. It's an amazing, an amazing thing. So as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. We didn't receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. What is he saying there? I mean, obviously a lot, but but I want to try to simplify this, okay? When you were born again, the real you is spirit. You are a spirit, you have a soul, you live in a body. The real you is spirit. And when you were born again, the Bible says that your former spirit died with Christ. And then you were raised up together with him to newness of life. And at that point, Father God put a new spirit in you, not the old one refurbished, not the old one cleaned up. No, the old you was buried in an unmarked grave with Jesus, and then you were raised up together with him to newness of life. And when God put the, that new spirit in you, it's, it, Jesus is the prototype for the spirit that's now in you. Amen. Are you hearing me? That you were born of his seed. You were born a second time of an incorruptible seed. And again, not your flesh, not your soul. Your soul wasn't born again. Your flesh wasn't born again. Your spirit was born again and became a new creation. The, 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 the technical terminology for new there is quantitatively new, not qualitatively new. I'm sorry, the other way around. It's qualitatively new, not quantity. Quantity would be just another of the same. Qualitatively new means one that has never existed before. Amen. Amen. And in that becoming a new creation, 
you were given the Spirit of God so that now your newly created, born again Spirit and the Holy Spirit of God, the Bible says now, have become one Spirit. And notice now that they are, they are singing the same song. They are saying the same things. This is a big one. Are you ready? Because the Bible says that when, when he put his spirit in you, he's in you. Now watch this. Both to will and to do. Philippians tells us the will of God. The pleasures of God. The good things of God. So when it says that the Holy Spirit in your born again spirit is crying out, Abba, Father. Guess what your born again spirit is crying out? It's crying out, Abba, Father. In other words, your born-again spirit recognizes the, the God of the universe as your Abba, as your dad. The Holy Spirit inside of you says that, and the born-again spirit inside of you says that. There's harmony now. There's, there's oneness now. Amen. This is why the Bible says if you, if you set your mind on the things of the Spirit, you will follow after the things of the Spirit. And if you follow after the things of the Spirit, you will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh, but you will fulfill the lust of the Spirit. See, your born-again Spirit wants the same thing God wants. Desires the same thing God desires. And because the Holy Spirit and your born-again Spirit have become one Spirit, the Holy Spirit now in you is enabling you to do what it is that God puts you on this earth to do. It's a, it's a beautiful, powerful thing. And so notice now, the Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. He's talking about a, a principle here that we absolutely, desperately need to understand. And He's talking about the inward, the inward witness of the Holy Spirit. The inward witness of the Holy Spirit. You hear me use this phrase a lot. The Holy Spirit impressed me. The Holy Spirit impressed me. Okay. What does that mean? That means the Holy Spirit inside of me is impressing upon me certain things. When I say impressing, Keith Moore taught me this and, and I really, it really registered with me. Okay. Um, and, and that is a lot of times we, we, we use the expression God said. And listen, if God said, then it's no, there's no problem saying God said. But many times when the Holy Spirit inside of me, it's a prompting, it's a, it's a bearing witness, it's, it's an impression. Amen. And, and, and you know, what's the difference? Because sometimes the Holy Spirit will impress things and then we add to it and say God said. And, and, and we can, if we're not careful, we can get into error there. Okay. But... The, the impression of the Holy Spirit, the inward witness of the Holy Spirit. Let me give you another terminology. The still, small voice. Come on now. The still, small voice of the Holy Spirit. My brother, my sister, please hear me. Please hear me. We need to get in tune with the still, small voice of the Holy Spirit inside of us. Amen. Like yesterday, like an urgency, like there's never been, I believe, on planet Earth, that we as the sons of God, male and female, are being led by the Spirit of God, where He is able to prompt us. He is able to nudge us. He is able to bear witness with us. Let, let me give you an example of something bearing witness of your spirit. Have you ever heard me or somebody else teaching you the word of God and you hear it 
and you don't necessarily understand it, but something on the inside of you says, that's right. See, that's the Holy Spirit. He's bearing witness with your spirit. And how about the other way? Somebody's preaching something to you and you hear it and you may not necessarily understand it, but something inside of you says, that's not right. That, that, oh, something, something ain't right there. See, how about listening, listening to Christian radio? (laughs) Amen. There's a lot of music that bears the name of Christian that is not in alignment with the word of God. It doesn't, it doesn't agree with the Bible. Are you, are you, it doesn't agree with, with the heart of God, the will of God, or we could say the spirit of God. It doesn't bear witness, right? So, and, and a lot of times those will be really, really catchy tunes. Come on now. Really catchy tunes. You can laugh at me now, laugh at me later, laugh at me now and later, right? But, and, and God bless her soul. I understand she passed away this year. I hope she was a, a born again believer. But, but Tina Turner's song, What's Love Got to Do With It? Somebody needs to, you say, Pastor Mark, that's just, uh, no, listen to me, please. See, that's, that's from the pits of hell. Because love has everything to do with it. But notice the, that subtle, and boy, it's a catchy tune, right? Somebody's like, why did you even say it now, Pastor Mark? But again, catchy tune. See, the devil loves to take something that's, that's seemingly kind of innocent and close and put a catchy tune with it. So you'll sit there and hum it and say it a thousand times. Amen. Listen to a Christian radio and you hear that song and something is like, Hmm. I don't know, but that something ain't right about that. That's that inward witness. That is the inward witness. Capital I, capital W. That is the Holy Spirit of God. He's bearing witness with your spirit. That you, you, your mind may not comprehend it yet, but He's already inside of you confirming. You, there's, there's treasure in that field. You need to dig it. You, you need to dig into that. You need to explore that. You need to search that out and let the spirit of truth lead you and guide you deeper into that. But then that same Holy Spirit, you, you, you hear something else. See, for me, listen to me, please. Listen to me, please. I'm not, I'm not trying to offend you. I'm not trying to pick a fight with anybody. All right. But, but I, I have, and those of you who've heard me here of late, I, I've come to a new place in these things about being bold, uh, uh, about not just uh, the thou shalt nots in the scriptures. Amen. Being, being bold uh, uh, about these things and not, and not being, you know, reluctant to, to kind of, are you with me? Praise God. All right. Praise God. And so, oh, sweet Jesus, so many things to say here. <clears throat> we can't ignore, we can't ignore these things. And, and, and because when the Holy Spirit prompts you and impresses upon you, right, and, and then we don't listen and we don't agree with and we don't follow through on those things, it's not that he stops speaking, but what the Bible says is that you become less sensitive. It's, it's like a callous, right? When you go against the grain... It, 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 so today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts, he says. So when he, when we got to, re, we got to remain sensitive. We got to, we've got to remain. And, and if we're not, ask him to help us be sensitive, um, to what it is that he is trying to reveal to us and, and trying to, uh, lead us and guide us and direct us in. Praise God. So the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit. 
that we are children of God. So let me, thank you, Holy Spirit. I knew there was something I was, I was going to say. I'm not, I'm not trying to be, you know, controversial. I am, I do desire to confront lies. And, and, but for years, listen to me, for years, when I would hear somebody talk about the sovereignty of God, something inside of me said, that's not right. It's not right. And it sounds right. Are you with me? To the religious ear, it sounds right. But say, here, the sovereignty of God, the sovereignty of God, you know. And it sounds so, and man, something inside of me is going, mm, something. It, it's it, it's kind of like, um, you ever heard this expression, something rubs you the wrong way? It rubbed me the wrong way. It rubbed me the wrong way. I'll tell you another one that rubbed me the wrong way. Lead us not into temptation. Something in my spirit for years told me that ain't right. It's a wrong translation. I looked for it, searched for it, prayed about it. Because the Bible is very clear. Let no one say when they're being tempted, they're being tempted, tested, or tried by God. For God does not test him to try any man. So why would, he, why would he tell us to ask him to not do something that he doesn't do? Because see, religion will tell you, religion will tell you that he's leading you into these things to test you. He's leading you into these things to, to, to make you stronger because what don't kill you makes you stronger. Lie. Lie. Put that in a catchy tune, right? What don't kill you makes you stronger. See, it's just a lie. Lead us not into temptation. It, I, I was right there praying when the Holy Spirit gave me the answer. I jumped up and ran back to my office to dig into it. And, there, and that was originally said in the Greek, in the Greek verb tense, the aorist. You don't have to understand this, just stay with me. The aorist subjunctive imperative. Lead us not into temptation. Aorus subjunctive imperative verb tense. What in the world is the aorus subjunctive imperative? The aorus subjunctive imperative verb tense literally would be understood as don't do what you've never done. So if in, in those days John Mark was young and sometimes young boys like to run in the church and we had walked in the front door of the church and there were some young boys running in the church, okay, and if I was to say to the young boys running in the church, don't run, I'm asking them to do something that they're already doing. But if I was to walk into the church and knowing that when one young boy sees other young boys running, that that would make them want to run, and I look at John Mark before he ever takes a step and I say, don't run, I just use the aorist subjunctive imperative. I have just told him not to do something he's never done. He's not doing it. I've told, I'm telling him not to do it. Now, you again, you, you let this bear witness with your spirit, okay? This is what the Lord told me, impressed upon me and revealed to me through this whole thing, is that the translators missed it by one letter. Our Father who art in heaven, he leads us not into temptation, but delivers us from evil. There should be an S after the word lead. He leads us not. He never has and he never will. He never has and he never will. You can play those games. Right? Now watch you say, what is he talking about? Again, I'm trying to, I'm trying to give you an example, one in my own life, but now number two, it's like, 
Shazam, right? Something inside of you hopefully is saying, yes, yes. Something inside of you is going, that's right. That's the inward witness of the Holy Spirit. He's bearing witness with your spirit. He's bearing witness with your spirit. All right, let me praise God. John chapter 16 and verse 13. Jesus speaking, however, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. Now, by the way, this is the same helper, the same paraclete in the, in the Greek, another one like Jesus, called alongside to help. Jesus said that he was the one speaking to his disciples. He said, he's with you now, but there's coming a day when he will be in you. And when he is in you, he will be in you forever. And notice that the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. Jesus said he will not speak on his own authority, just like Jesus did not speak on his own authority. Whose authority did Jesus speak upon? He spoke upon his Father's authority, right? He said, the words that I speak are not my own, they're my Father's. And then Jesus says, when the Holy Spirit comes, he won't do his own thing. He, he will say what I've said and what he, what he hears from the Father. And what will he do? He will guide you. He will guide you. And he will tell you things to come. That's inside information times two, right? In other words, he's inside you, but then he's also revealing things to you from the inside of you, things that haven't happened yet so that you can be prepared. One last verse, 1 John chapter 2, verse 20. But you have an anointing from the Holy One. And you know all things. Now, this is one of those verses that gets so far out there for a lot of people that they just kind of do a couple of things with it. They pretend like it's not in the Bible, or they pretend like it must not mean what it clearly means, or, you know, what do we do with this? And nobody likes to know it all and kind of laugh it off and that sort of thing. Okay. But he's talking again about an inward reality of your new birth. Let me, let me interject something here. Father God says to his people, you can have whatever you say. But most of God's people will not stop saying what they already have. Okay? You can have what you say, but so many of God's people say what they have. And this is a classic example. How many times... A month, how many times how many times a day do so many of God's people say, I just don't know. I don't know. I don't know what to do. I don't know what I'm gonna do. I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. Notice now, the devil is the one who wants you to constantly confess over yourself, over your family, over your situation that you don't know what you're gonna do. But God says you do know. And the reason you know is not because you're so smart, but you know because the Holy Spirit, who is all-knowing, He lives inside of you. The all-knowing one has become one with your born-again spirit. And He is assigned to lead you and guide you into all truth. He could not lead you and guide you into all truth if He didn't know and have all truth to lead you and guide you into it. Are you seeing this? Okay. 
So did I go too far for some of you? I'm not trying to listen. We got let's let's let, let let this stretch you a little bit here. He's talking about something that's true about you, whether you remember remember you've been given things you don't know you have. This is one of the things you've been given that you don't know you have, that you know all things. Can you know all things and still live a life of confusion and ignorance? Yes. Yes. Not walking in the things that Father God has for you. So how would it do is if the next time you're faced with a difficult situation, you didn't start just, I don't know what I'm going to do. I have no idea. Oh my goodness, what am I going to do? Again, like how about, how, about we, how about if we said something along these lines? Father, I'm led by your spirit. I'm your, I'm your child. I'm your son. And because I'm your son, I'm led by your spirit. Your Holy Spirit's in me. And while in my mind right now, I'm not sure if I'm going right or left, the Holy Spirit already knows where both directions are going to lead me. And I'm asking you to show me. And it's my birthright to be led by your spirit. Are you, amen. So you, you can't find in the Bible where it says, take this job, marry this woman, go to this school. Right? These certain details about your life. But those details, according to the Word of God, see some people say, well, God, it doesn't really matter. It does matter. The Bible says that God has written every day of your life down in a book before you ever lived a single one. And then what do we do? We all went, went and did our own thing and got off script. And now the Holy Spirit, who knows your script, is trying to bring you back into the plan of God, the will of God, the desires of God for your life. Amen. Amen. And so he knows these things. He knows these things. And he's wanting to show them to you and me. Life is choice driven, therefore it must be spirit led. Stand with me this morning. So we have the written word of God Amen. And as important as this is, listen to me please, as important as the written word of God is, most precious possession known to humankind, okay? As important as the written word of God is, there must also be the counterpart of the inward witness. Now, hear me please. You can make this book say anything you want to make it say. Amen. By taking it out of context. The Bible says there is no God. What? What the Bible actually says is the fool has said in his heart there is no God. But if you want to take things out of context... You can put it in a song, put it on the radio, make a million dollars and have a lot of God's people singing it. And it, it, ain't, it couldn't be any further from the heart of God. It couldn't be any further from the heart of God than a heathen rapper using four-letter words. Amen. So we have the book and we have the witness. He didn't say, here's my Bible, find your way to the truth. He said, no, here's the word of God, and now here's the inward witness. He's the spirit of truth. This word is truth. The truth, the spirit of truth. He leads you and guides you, 
into all truth. Amen. 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 Father, we stand before you this morning saying thank you for all that you've done for us, all that you've given to us. And Father, we stand in this moment, Lord, with you know, one year almost completely behind us and a fresh new year ahead of us. And there's something about, and Lord, I believe it's something spiritual even, Lord, when we get this fresh year, new beginning. Lord, a lot of times we start evaluating things and looking at changes that we should make. And, and Lord, I pray that as we're doing that, we won't just come up with a few things, but Lord, we'd be led by your Spirit. Lord, the things that we need to add to, the things that we need to rearrange, the priorities, the uh, Lord, again, Everything from our physical health to um, ministry uh, activities, Lord, all of that, Father. You're interested in all of it, and your Holy Spirit knows the whole plan. And I pray that you would help us, Lord, pay very, very, very close attention to what you have said in your word and to, and to, the, and to the inward witness of the Holy Spirit as we're being led and guided by Him into the truth that you have for our lives And Father, even revealing to us through that inward witness things that are coming so that we can be prepared, so that we can make correct choices and respond uh, as uh, in in the most advantageous way, uh, Lord, for our own lives and families and our family of faith and the work of your ministry and the building of your kingdom here in the world. Father, I thank you that we're the head and not the tail. We're above and not beneath. Father, that we are not going to continue to live as outsiders in this new year. But Father, we are insiders. We are, we are heirs and, and joint heirs. And we are going to walk in ever greater and increasing measures of who we are and who we became the day we became a new creation in Christ Jesus and what belongs to us, what we were given the day we became new creations in Christ Jesus in this coming new year. Father, I thank you for your life. I thank you for your love. I thank you, Lord, for your hand upon each one of us. Lord, we, we know that there were perilous things that occurred in 23. And Father, we know that there will be perilous things that occur in 24. But Father, we will not allow our hearts to be troubled. We will not allow, Father, uh, anxious thoughts and and, and stress-filled situations, um, strife-filled situations even, Father, to uh, infiltrate our, our minds and emotions. Um, but Lord, we are going to set our hearts upon you, set our minds upon the things of the Spirit, be led by your Spirit, no longer fulfilling the lust of the flesh, but fulfilling the, the godly desires in our born-again spirit, Lord. We thank you for life and peace. We thank you for wisdom and understanding. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Praise God. Thank you so much for being here this morning. Happy New Year to you and your family. Amen. I'm excited about what Father has for us in these coming days. And I pray that you're excited about it too. Good things coming.